ECO Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to Eco Report. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Coming up later in today's feature report, Enrique Sands with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will talk about financing gas plants. You will learn about the General Assembly bill that wants to put natural gas power plant financing on the same footing as that of other power plants. And now for your environmental reports. The journal EOS published an article about high wind events occurring in the past. Toppled trees can tell the story of a windswept landscape if only people know how to tune in. Now researchers are examining the roughness of hillsides to learn about winds blasting in the past. Quote, all the little bumps that you see in a forest are some record of a past event, end quote, said Tyler Doan a geomorphologist at Indiana University, Bloomington. The features are born through a process called wind throw, which happens when high winds push over a tree on a slope. The force wrenches the roots from the ground, leaving behind a pit and a mound of soil and rock next to it. Wind throw events affect ecosystems in a variety of ways. They create microhabitats, for instance, by collecting moisture in pits that can support amphibians such as salamanders. They shuffle carbon around, pulling it from storage in the tree and releasing some to the atmosphere as the tree rots. Wind throw can make the ground more porous and free up soil to move downhill. But these events are rare, and figuring out how often they happen is tricky. So Doan and his colleagues looked to the land to see whether it could reveal past wind throw. Wind throw makes pits and mounds, which are later smoothed by processes such as worms and other critters creeping through the soil or pockets of ice freezing and thawing. Doan and his colleagues scour data from 1,400 hill slopes in southern Indiana's Brown County, collected by the U.S. Geological Survey in 2017. The method sees through the forest trees, revealing the bare landscape. Past wind throw events look like pockmarks dotting each slope. From the roughness of the forest floor and prior knowledge of how quickly the area's wind throw formed pits and mounds decay, the team estimated how often wind throw happens. The rougher the hill slope, the more frequently wind throw happened, Doane said. Unlike Indiana, some states have plans on how to become carbon-free by 2050. According to Inside Climate Change, this is happening with remarkable speed. Most recently, Minnesota lawmakers have passed a bill requiring 100% carbon-free electricity by 2040. The legislation, signed by Governor Tim Walz on Tuesday, means Minnesota joins a group of 10 states, 
California, Hawaii, Illinois, Massachusetts, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Virginia, and Washington, plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, in having laws that require a transition to 100% carbon-free or renewable electricity. In addition, Maine and Nevada have laws that set 100% goals rather than requirements, so they belong in their own category. The governors of Michigan, New Jersey, and Wisconsin have issued executive orders calling for a transition to 100% carbon-free electricity, so they also are in their own category. Indiana has no blueprint on how to become carbon-free by any year. The legislature is still at the point where there is no discussion of climate change. This is likely to end as most environmental issues do. Our state will be among the last to meet the goal. Environmental Action reports that the plastics industry and the American Chemistry Council are pushing legislation in Congress that would reclassify incineration as, quote, advanced recycling, unquote. Classifying plastic incinerators as advanced recycling would allow them to avoid Clean Air Act requirements, taking an insidious part of our waste disposal and sweeping it under the rug. There's no easy way out of the mountains of plastic trash humans have generated. We especially should not burn plastic as the solution. If the plastic industry gets its way, this would perpetuate the cycle of waste in our country, allowing companies to keep producing more and more plastic that would eventually be dumped into an incinerator. And it would create yet another source of hazardous air pollution that will fill the skies with the smell of burnt garbage. Burning plastic releases dioxins, a highly toxic type of air pollution that can lead to cancer, damage the immune system, and cause reproductive issues. Thus, the proposed plastics pyrolysis plants in Ashley, Indiana, and another near Gary are likely to emit dangerous levels of toxic gases. Indiana does not need more air pollution. The Audubon Society reports on a recent assessment of bird populations by the North American Bird Conservation Initiative. They have tracked the health of breeding birds in habitats across the nation over the past five decades. The State of the Birds 2022 report for the United States focuses on the loss of bird populations across every habitat except wetlands. Among the groups in the fastest decline are grassland birds, such as bobolinks and mountain plovers, which have shown a total 34% loss. Lesser yellowlegs, wimbrels, and other shorebirds aren't far behind with populations down by 33%. Despite the dire situation, the report also emphasizes the success of 40 years of concerted wetland conservation. Waterfowl and waterbirds have surged 34% and 18% respectively. While some duck, goose, and swan populations are expanding, more than half of all U.S. bird species are dwindling. Without further efforts to restore ecosystems under stress, the, the report paints a grim future for birds in a nation where climate-intensified natural disasters and human-caused habitat loss and degradation continue to worsen. The report's authors call on decision-makers to learn from the accomplishments of wetland restoration to save birds and boost climate resilience in other ecosystems. Since the bird report, the Indiana legislature has drastically cut the acreage of protected wetlands. It is apparent our legislators have not gotten the message. 
quote, protecting wildlife and biodiversity is something that everybody should be concerned with, end quote, says Peter Mara, a 2022 State of the Birds Science Committee member and director of the Earth Commons at Georgetown University Institute for Environment and Sustainability. The number one killer of birds is cats, estimated to be 2.3 billion birds per year. The New York Times reports many American consumers are now eligible to save thousands of dollars when they buy an electric car, heat pump, solar panels, or energy-efficient appliances. Those savings kicked in this year as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, major legislation that aims to cut planet-warming greenhouse gas emissions. The law tackles two major sources of those emissions, transportation and housing, in part by helping Americans electrify their cars and homes and by making the most energy-efficient choices more affordable through tax credits and rebates. Taking advantage of the new law will require some planning, experts said, especially when it comes to major purchases and renovations. It helps that many of the benefits will be around for a decade or more, though not all of them are available just yet. Federal tax credits took effect on January 1st, but rebates, which will offer billions of dollars in upfront discounts or partial refunds to consumers through state and tribal governments, won't roll out until later this year. And now, Enrique Sainz with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will report on financing gas plants. This report is on the Indiana General Assembly bill that puts natural gas power plant financing on the same footing as that of other power plants. The committee also approved another consequential energy bill. This one intended to spur the construction of new natural gas power plants by allowing utilities to start passing the cost to consumers earlier. House Bill 1421, authored by Representatives Ed Soliday and Chris Jeter, would allow utilities building new natural gas power plants to access a financing option known as Construction Work in Progress, or QUIP, that would charge customers for the cost of a new plant before they receive a single electron of power from them. The bill would also set a 240-day limit for the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission to approve or disapprove projects and add renewable energy gas, also known as biogas, to a state list of clean energy projects eligible for financial incentives. Bill sponsors and supporters claim the bill would help improve the reliability of the grid by adding more energy sources to it. But opponents say the bill could leave customers paying for nothing and increase the number of Hoosiers facing energy insecurity. This again is Representative Ed Soliday, main author of the bill and chair of the House Committee on Utilities, Energy and Telecommunications. So this bill deals primarily with what's called QUIP construction while in progress. Every single fuel source has quip except natural gas. Now, as we look at transition, both the governor's office, I, Senator Cook, have said we need a smooth transition plan that allows us to pivot whenever technology is there. So what we are really doing in the bill is saying the same quip that is available to windmills, solar, coal, Every other form will be available to gas, whether it is replacing a coal-fired facility or new construction. Utility representatives said the bill would help encourage the construction of new power plants, which would, in turn, improve electrical grid reliability. This is Danielle McGrath, president of the Indiana Energy Association, 
which represents 14 investor-owned utilities. Natural gas has attributes that allow it to be called upon to ramp up and ramp down quickly. And Indiana also has a robust network of natural gas pipelines to support future projects. Plus, natural gas serves as a complement to renewables, which we know are lower cost but intermittent. Recent major outages have put the reliability of natural gas resources into question as multiple failures at the plants across several grids left hundreds of thousands of people without power during one of the coldest weather events of the year and pushed the grid serving Indiana to its limit. Certain safeguards caused the grid serving most of Indiana to bend but not break, but not before the weaknesses of natural gas plants were exposed. The PJM interconnection, which provides electricity to eastern Indiana, 12 other states, and a district of Columbia, faces up to $2 billion in penalties after natural gas plants owned by member utilities like Duke Energy faced outages and startup failures around Christmas due to problems like bad equipment and inadequate fuel supply. More than 23% of the grid's total capacity was knocked out by Christmas Eve. Similar natural gas plant outages happened at utilities that are part of the Tennessee Valley Authority, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, and the Northeast Power Coordinating Council. The outages led to the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, the organization that oversees electrical grid operations in the U.S., to declare a Level 2 emergency, requiring all power stations to ramp up energy production and manage where the electricity is sent. The Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, the electrical grid managing the supply of electricity to most of Indiana and 14 other states and a Canadian province, ordered conservative operations for many MISO regions December 23rd. Critics of the bill have also questioned how HB 1421 would affect the hundreds of thousands of Hoosiers already facing energy insecurity. According to the latest data provided by the five largest electric utilities to the Indiana Office of Utility Consumer Counselor, at least 250,000 Hoosiers are behind on their monthly electric payment, and more than 208,000 have been sent disconnection notices. Part of the problem is a rise in natural gas prices which have reached a 14-year high. Most major electric utilities have asked the IURC to raise rates in order to compensate for those prices. Citizens Action Coalition Executive Director Kerwin Olson said the bill would expand a troubling funding tool that makes ratepayers and voluntary financiers, giving utilities interest-free loans at their expense. Utilities are financially healthy, can access capital and debt a lot cheaper than consumers can, and we urge you, if we're serious about affordability, we must reject the expansion of construction work in progress, which only stands to exacerbate the affordability crisis in the state of Indiana and not help. IEA President Daniel McGrath said the bill could help avoid rate shock by having customers pay for the utility project gradually. The project is going to result in a rate increase one way or another. The question is when that happens, is it through QUIP or is it through AFUDC after the fact? And then two, at what intervals? With QUIP, because you're paying earlier as opposed to later, is much smoother over time. Whereas with AFUDC, it's flat. Once the project is then in service, it jumps back up again and you're actually paying a higher rate base. The bill passed the committee eight to three. It now heads to the full Indiana House of Representatives for consideration. The busy times at the Indiana General Assembly continue. 
This time, state lawmakers are carrying water for national Republicans by continuing the right-wing crusade against banks that have chosen, or are believed to have chosen, to ensure profits by using environmental, social, or governance considerations, also known as ESG. But podcast guy, is it fair to say that targeting ESG investing is a right-wing thing? The Republican Party and party members are proudly saying it. Even right-wing Democrats are saying it. This is from a GOP report on ESG investing. Each of these firms proudly uses the voting power gained from their investors' money to advance liberal social goals. Here's Republican Senator from Indiana Mike Braun, who co-sponsored a bill with Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. You should not be burdened with trying to push any political agenda where you're going to impact the hard earnings that you give to someone else in trust that you're going to make the right decision. To me, it's shameful. Here's Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita in September. Woke big businesses are collaborating with their leftist allies to subvert the will of the people. Now, Republicans in the State House are trying to pass a bill that would prevent investment managers for the Indiana public retirement system from making investments based on social, political, ideological, or other, quote, non-financial interests. So why is the right wing fighting these types of investments so hard? In a word, money. Republicans have claimed that financial firms with ESG considerations have discriminated against fossil fuels, guns, and other industries that have traditionally received special protections from Republicans, leading to less money available for them to pursue their business interests and causing a domino effect of other firms wanting to avoid them too. This is Indiana Representative Ethan Manning who authored House Bill 1008, the Indiana Anti-ESG Bill. ESG, or environmental, social, and governance policies, are highly subjective measures that have real-world impacts. These types of policies undermine this security that we seek. We need to focus our pension investments on financial factors and leave the politics and these social and ideological considerations out of it. We, as a state pension system and those who do business with the state, should not be focused on these political, social, and ideological factors, and these asset managers on Wall Street should not be discriminating against industries critical to our economy and our security. We must take steps like this in order to preserve freedom and fairness in financial markets. State law already exists that requires money managers in the trust, like INPERS, to invest and manage trust assets solely in the interest of the beneficiaries. But HB 1008 is different in that it would make it state law that investment managers and their proxies would be in violation of their fiduciary duties if they invest in financial entities that are perceived to have limited investment in certain industries protected by state Republicans. The bill would empower the Indiana Treasurer of State to enforce the law. The bill singles out fossil fuel suppliers, gun makers, companies that have contracted with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement for immigration detention, and related industries for protection. Manning, who introduced a stricter version of this bill in 2022 that failed, said HB 1008 would help ensure national security. Coal and firearm companies based in Indiana said ESG investment strategies have limited their ability to get loans and insurance. Brent Billsland, CEO and president of Indiana coal supplier Halidor Energy Co., said his company was able to raise $500 million in capital between 15 banks in 2014. But in 2023, the company was only able to raise $100 million between six banks. Billsland attributed the change to ESG investing. 
Six of the nine banks who we expect will come out of our facility have stated to us the reason is not hallowed or the reason is because our CEO has signed an ESG pledge or has made an internal ESG commitment. So it's not based on risk. But is it? Coal production has been on the decline for at least the last decade with the adoption of natural gas and renewable energy systems. The percentage share of U.S. electricity produced by coal has dropped by at least half between 2013 and 2022. The fall in production followed a fall in the price of coal stocks, which only bounced back in 2021 after a decline in natural gas supplies drove up the price. The German transition to coal stocks after dumping Russian natural gas after its invasion of Ukraine and supply issues in Asia have brought coal prices to record highs. But even before then, investment firms targeted by Republicans for their ESG statements like BlackRock Inc. and Vanguard Group Inc. continue to be one of the largest investors in coal companies. In fact, the Vanguard Group owns the fifth most shares of Halidor Energy, with 986,554,000 shares worth nearly $9 million, and BlackRock owns the 16th most with more than 186,000 shares worth $1.3 million. Gun manufacturers also said they are the victims of ESG. Todd Foster, one of the owners of Seymour, Indiana-based firearms manufacturer Fostech Inc., said discrimination through ESG investing led to his company being denied by 26 agencies for insurance coverage and says there needs to be a fix. HB 1008 would only apply to investments made by the Indiana Public Retirement System, but bill proponents said the bill would be a shot across the bow for companies making ESG investments. But will state Republicans essentially telling banks who to invest in benefit the free market? Indiana bankers and the Chamber of Commerce say no. This is Greg Ellis, Vice President of Energy and Environment for the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. We believe this is picking specific sectors as winners and losers. Market performance and financial investments should be driving pension investments. We all know that these markets change over time. Indiana Bankers Association Chief Policy Officer Dax Denton said the bill could lead to banks choosing not to do business with the state of Indiana. We manage a lot of variations of risk when we do business with those market sectors. And oftentimes that risk management could be perceived as boycotting, discriminating, however you want to define it, related to these market sectors or any other business industry for that matter. This definition or protection, if you will, in Section 9 makes it extremely difficult for a financial institution to have to navigate that market and appear not to be boycotting that market when we make our business decisions based off of risk, risk management, a number of reasons why we would do that. The bill is part of a nationwide effort by Republicans to fight back against the U.S. Department of Labor rule that changed the definition of fiduciary duties in the Employment Retirement Income Security Act of 1974 to allow the use of ESG considerations by investment managers in retirement plans governed by the law. Senator Mike Brown of Indiana introduced a bill at the federal level in 2022 that sought the limit of investment duties to solely monetary factors. The bill received support from prominent ultra-conservative senators but did not gain traction in the U.S. Senate and ultimately failed to be considered. The members of the House Committee on Financial Institutions voted to pass House Bill 1008. It will now head to the House Ways and Means Committee. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts.
Here at EcoReport, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience in all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for EcoReport, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. The Winter Hike Series at Brown County State Park is offering the 10 o'clock line Nature Preserve Hike on Saturday, February the 25th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. The hike is a moderate 2.5-mile trek along a fire trail. This is the largest preserve in the state, and during the hike, you will learn the unique history of the 10 o'clock line. Meet at the Nature Center. Learn how to make your own maple syrup at the Maple Syrup Made Easy class on Saturday, February 25th at the RCA Community Park from noon to 1.30 p.m. During the workshop, you will learn about the equipment, collection, and sugaring techniques, as well as tree identification. Take-home instructions are provided. Sign up at bloomington.in.gov parks. There will be a visitor center trail dedication at the Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area on Saturday, February the 25th from 10 a.m. to noon. The new trail, which began in 2021, is one half mile long, featuring wildflower plantings and interpretive signage. The trail is for any ability. There will be a cold weather night hike at Leonard Springs Nature Park on Saturday, February 25th from 8 to 9.30 p.m. Hike under the light of the stars and enjoy the unique sights and sounds of the night. Dress warmly and in layers. Sign up at bloomington.in.gov parks. Take a lime kiln hike at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, February the 25th from 1 to 2 p.m. Learn about the well-preserved lime kiln that was built in the late 1800s. Find out how lime was manufactured before automation. This is a rugged off-trail hike. Meet at the Lakeview Activity Center. EcoReport is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy. Our feature was prepared and presented by Enrique Sainz with the Indiana Environmental Reporter. Our script today was assembled by Juliana Daly and edited by Patrick Callanan. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced today's show and edited the audio. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report.
You've been listening to The Eco Report. A volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB. In Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.